Hello, everyone, and you welcome you to a new episode of the Nightcap. Um, on this week's show, we have my buddy Vic, who is in the house to talk about the World Cup. He is an avid Mexico fan. He even said to me that if Mexico won this World Cup, he would move back to Mexico and become a citizen there, and he would no longer represent America as his country. That's how passionate this is. That's how big of a deal this is to the world. Uh, we're going to discuss it. We're going to talk, give you kind of a breakdown of the groups, who we pick, who we think the eventual World Cup champion is going to be. We missed talking about the Golden Boot. Crap. I meant to ask him about that and say who we thought was going to get that, but probably going to be Harry Kane. Anyway, listen to that. That's the interview portion. We also have the five things you need to know. We talk a lot about Trump, a lot about Sarah Sanders, um, who won the NBA MVP, and uh, how I feel about that. Uh, we're also going to talk about the destruction of media because Disney owns everything now. And hope you guys enjoy um, and have a good time listening to the show. Thank you for checking out. And also remember to check out the Song of the Week by Father John Misty. Mike, hit the music. Nightcap. I am your host, John Michael, and these are the five things you need to know. Kicking off the week, I thought there would be no better place to start than one of the more entertaining stories, at least for myself, of the past week. Last weekend, Sarah Sanders, press secretary of the United States government, was asked to leave the Red Hen restaurant, which led to something absolutely fantastic, which is the GOP calling for this. <laughs> they're saying that this uh, was compared to the civil rights movement. They said that con Congress members compared this to the gay rights struggle, which is interesting because they just told gay rights people they couldn't get cake, and also calls for civility in politics, which is fantastic coming from uh, the likes of the GOP in any realm because they just use kids as hostages in Mexico. So when asked for comment, the owner of the Red Hen restaurant, Stephanie Wilkins, said that she did not want con confrontation but explained that the restaurant had certain standards that she felt would, it had to uphold, such as honesty, compassion, and cooperation, and that she would absolutely do it again. While I understand as an progressive that this is absolutely awesome, and I want to pick this lady up on my shoulders like she's Rudy and tell her that she's the only reason we won the big game. And Rudy's offside, so everybody knows that also. But I do understand the hesitation for some people with it hoping that we don't have red restaurants and blue restaurants. But I think that situations like this show how times are different and they're not the same. And while we would like people to be able to sit down at a table and have a meal, sometimes they don't get to do that because their policies keep other people from being able to do that. And when you deal with a week like we did last week where we're talking about using children as bargaining chips, I don't know. Maybe it's a different time. But I'll move on and say that this has a lot to do with the fact that tempers are running high. Also, she's not a celebrity. She's also not 
by choice anything. Like, or she is everything by choice. When she compares herself to the civil rights movement, when she compares herself to the gay rights struggle, those are things people are born as. They don't get a choice. She chooses to be a liar. She chooses to lie to the American people. And she chooses to wield the power of her position to the detriment of people every day. So, deal with it. Next. We moved to the, uh, the NYC, which specifically we moved to the Bronx, where 28-year-old Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez ousted a 10-term congressman in New York. For people that have uh, been friends since 2016, you know that I'm a pretty big Bernie head, and I uh, was rooting for him in the last presidential election. And this is special, because she ran as a Democratic Socialist. Same thing Bernie ran as. She ran as a grassroots campaign that was such a surprise that some media media outlets did not even write write-ups or put her on any of the ballot or the the notes of the elections going that day. One of the key things we see in this campaign is a familiar message: don't put your donors above above your constituents. And while New York's economy might be booming, as congressional hope as the congressional hopeful points out, it doesn't seem that the neighborhood is booming at the same rate. And so while I encourage you to look her up, her campaign videos and her advertisements were amazing. I want to point out the things that she stood for, the things that she ran on. And I think you might get why people care. She ran uh, her things run like this, her bulletins. Um, Medical care for all. Universal jobs guarantee. Fully funded public schools and universities. Paid family and sick leave. Housing as a human right. Justice system reform. Immigration justice, infrastructure overhaul, cleaning, uh, clean campaign finance, and the neighborhood economy. I don't think that sounds like someone who surprised and snuck up on someone. I don't think that's someone who is benefiting from a bunch of people donating to their campaign and a bunch of people giving them millions of dollars to run ads. That sounds like someone who listens to their people. Because when people said they hated Obamacare, it's not because they wanted less health coverage it's because they wanted more and they wanted it to be more affordable people are worried about jobs and they're not worried about minimum wage job minimum wage jobs they're worried about growth jobs and the ability to make a livable wage you have family sick leave public funding for schools and universities the most powerful thing a human being has is education and if you're not able to get that at a consistent rate or quality What are you as a contributing member of society? Criminal justice reform. Urban areas are some of the hardest hit by the war on drugs and the racially biased sentences that we gave with those. Immigration justice. The Bronx. Queens. Huge, huge diverse populations. Infrastructure overhaul. Everyone knows what's wrong with the trains, the streets, the roads. You drive in Tampa, you understand that roads don't work. So... These are the things that her neighborhood is obviously caring about. And if her neighborhood's caring about it, she should care about it as a politician. Because then, you know what? People vote for you. So, check her out. I think it's a big, I think it's a big step because people have been really saying, like, where is the Democrat uh, coming from? Where is the next Democratic wave coming from? What are, they, what are they saying? And this is a good step in that direction. So, third thing of the week. James Harden has won the 2018 NBA MVP. This, to me, feels like a course correction from Russell Westbrook winning it last year, which might go down as not a good thing, I think, when we look back in history, because I don't know if we're going to say that Russell should have won that. 
Uh, I think the argument that we had for Russell was that he was on a bad team and he made them good, which now we've given him better players and he's still they still aren't any better. So that's one thing. And that the triple-double might be overhyped because you can statistically, if you were statistically or you were physically gifted to do that statistically, then you can do that even to the detriment of your own team. Uh, I think James Harden has um, more talent this than Russell Westbrook, and I think that was an easy argument. So, why am I saying that it's a course correction? I want to read you the things LeBron James did better than James Harden last year. He played in more games by 10. He scored more points. He had more rebounds. He had more assists. His field goal percentage was better. His three-point percentage was the same. He had <laughs> he had 21 more trip or double-doubles, and he had 14 more triple-doubles. He was a better basketball player last year, and he played with two different teams last season and didn't switch teams. <laughs> he didn't have the same roster at any point. It was miraculous that he was able to get them to the finals. It was miraculous what he did in the regular season. It's miraculous he did not kill Tyron Lue. And I think he should have won the MVP. And if not him, I'm still right with my man Anthony Davis. I feel like if you can bring your team from an eight seed to a four seed, while losing the second best player on your team and making Drew Holiday look like a max player. Yeah, that's an MVP effort. So, I think we got it wrong, but I'm glad James Harden got one. And everybody that coached the Oklahoma City Thunder with all those three players and somehow figured out how to make that team horrible, you suck. All right, on to point four. Back to the political side. Um, But I think, all right, this is, so I think this is the third of three weeks of Supreme Court decisions that have been pretty crazy. We had net neutrality. Uh, and now we have the travel ban. The travel ban has now been approved by the Supreme Court and upheld, saying that the president had the, the ability to exert these powers, and he was, it was completely constitution, constitutional to do it. Now, while state media, I mean Fox News, will tell you this is a huge victory for Donald Trump, it must be stated that this is not the first attempt that they did, which was juvenile, which was blatantly obvious that they were they were targeting Muslims and Muslim-majority countries because of fear-mongering. This one is the third version of the travel ban. And in fact, Donald Trump hated this version so much that he decided to go where else to Twitter to let us know, saying that he wished he, he that he didn't like it and he wished the legal team hadn't changed a thing that they should have ran with the original one and allowed him allowed him to do it. So, back to the actual point. What does this mean for the seven countries and the people in those countries that are trying to refugee and travel to the United States? Here are the things that those countries look are going to go through. Iran suspend, <clears throat> suspends entry to Iranians as immigrants and non-immigrants, those with valid student and exchange uh, students and exchange visitor passes, visitor visas, sorry, uh, can enter. Uh, they may face enhanced screening. Uh, Libya suspends entry to Libyans as immigrants, also suspends entry to non-immigrants or business or tourist visas. Somalia suspends entry to Somalians as immigrants. North Koreans, or North Korea suspends entry to North Korea as immigrants and non-immigrants. Venezuela restricts entry to certain Venezuelan government officials. And Yemen suspends entry to Yemenis. Immigrants also suspends entry to non-immigrants on business and tourist visas. Now, 
one might jump to the first thing that seems kind of spontaneous, which is North Korea, especially after uh, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un went on a double date not too long ago, which uh, doesn't seem to have done anything right now. But before we remember the first version was primarily and only um, Muslim-majority countries. So they needed to add in other countries that weren't Muslim so it didn't look as racist. Or I don't, is it racist if it's religion? Either way, there's prejudice. But that was stupid. The first one had to be revised. While most people will discuss the danger coming from these countries, despite never being attacked by any refugee from those countries, it is important to talk about the issues inside the countries themselves and why people are traveling here. Uh, from struggles after falls of dictators, which is in a lot of the countries that are going through in those regions, uh, you have chemical warfare, like in Syria. Venezuela is, look- Venezuela is looking at an interest rate that could reach 13,000% this year. These people are coming to our country or these these people are coming to our country because they are experiencing terrorism. They are not coming to create terrorism. And I think it is very important for for us to not give in to the fear-mongering that is the news from news about Islamic terror because none of the terrorist attacks that have happened to the United States have been people from these countries. And this is strictly something he is doing because he told his base that it would be hard on Muslims and that he would be strict on them. But he's also being strict on none of the countries that we rely on economically. And like Saudi Arabia, who every member of the people that attacked 9-11 were from there. So it's disingenuous. Don't give in to it. And finally, the fifth thing we need to know, I know this has taken a little while, Disney has finalized its bill or it's a buy and offer on purchasing Fox. So they will have it. They gave one caveat though, because they didn't want to have too much and they needed to pass through the U S anti-trust organization, which is laughable, but they had to sell off 22 regional sports networks. The people in the antitrust division felt that if they had those sports networks, they could leverage too much of this cable broadcasting and hurt consumers by causing it to cost more money to have sports networks. Interesting. We are worried about 22 regional sports networks in a $71 billion purchase. Like, it's ridiculous. This is one of the scariest things that is going on right now for me because I worry about um, the the completeness of content uh, when it comes to news and information. I worry that... Now, with this consolidation, we look at like five companies that control pretty much all of the news media in our country. Um, I'm pretty sure that two of those will try to buy the other to say that they, so they can compete in the market. We look at cellular companies condensing. We look at these, this thing, these things happening. And I mean, look at what Disney controls. They have Marvel. They have like uh, Lucas Films, whatever that's called. Uh, they have Pixar now. They own... Pretty much every way you could make a movie in Hollywood, and now they own Fox, and the only thing they didn't want was Fox News, which sucks, because maybe somebody could change what they broadcast, but it's dangerous, man. They're, they're controlling everything. And then think about this. The big reason they're doing this is because in buying this part of Fox, they also get 30% of Hulu, so they own a streaming service now. And Disney is also releasing their own streaming service, which will allow for 10.99. you will be able to watch every Disney movie ever made, every 
Marvel movie ever made, every Star Wars movie ever made, and any Disney broadcasting TV show all from their app, and you'll never have to pay for them again. So parents that have to buy all those Disney movies, you don't have to do that anymore. Just have a monthly subscription. Anyway, so they are going after that, and they see they need to compete with the Netflixes and the Hulus and blah, blah, blah. All this is still cy- like cycling that Disney is such a big company that like they feel like they need to compete on a world stage because the fact that it the fact is that Amazon and Apple and Netflix and all these companies are just so huge. And then think about net neutrality. We don't like which we don't have anymore because of that new the new reversal. Companies will have to pay to compete. And if Disney is such a big player in every single market and we're basically controlled by five big markets, they're not going to be the ones paying to compete anymore. We are. We're going to have to pay to get it. We're we're going to have to pay to be informed. And with Trump attack like attacking every cornerstone of democracy, if we can't control, if we don't get the the media, we are uninformed, and it feels like we're going towards Handmaid's Tale. It's terrifying. So, I'm still upset from last week. And, all right, and so we're going from here, and we are going to go into the interview portion of the show. I'm talking to my friend Vic. We are going over the World Cup, the ins and outs of it. So if you are interested in the World Cup or you want to be and you want to be informed and you don't want to look like the loser when your friends are talking about the World Cup, listen to this next part of the podcast. If you haven't, thank you for checking out this much of the nightcap, and hope you continue to listen. Hello and welcome to the interview portion of the Nightcap. Thank you for those who uh, stuck through the whole five things you need to know. Uh, this week we are discussing because uh, it is you know the most popular sport in the world, which is soccer, or to the world is known as football. We are going to be discussing the World Cup with a good friend of mine and a guy who has probably got a really high heart rate right now and his blood pressure isn't doing well because he's a Mexico fan. His name is Vic. What's up, Vic? How's it going? Thanks for having me. No problem, man. How are you doing after today's game? A little bit nervous because now we have to play Brazil. Oh no, that that's what happened. That wow, I did not look. I did not know that. So let me look at the brackets. We got everything live up here. We're gonna be going through all of the group stages, and we're gonna be talking about the matchups and kind of how things are shaking out. Um, just because this has been really interesting. If you guys, if you guys have not watched the World Cup up to now, I would say that you're in a you're still in a really prime spot because it's about to be the knockout round. So there's way more intensity. There's way more passion, but I think this World Cup has gotten everything they would have hoped from it. They've gotten great moments from Ronaldo. They've gotten great moments from Messi. They've got every big star they needed, other than Germany. They were able to get big, big star like star moments from. And the home country is actually playing well. And I think that's more important than people realize. Russia playing well was extremely important. But what happened to your boys today? They lost two to nothing to Sweden, a team that I thought was three, three, to, nothing. Nothing, three to nothing to Sweden, a team that I thought was dead after the Germany game. Um, I never counted Sweden out. Um, what happened today was they pushed the ball. They forced the momentum. And like we discussed earlier, they were on top of Mexico the entire time. Mexico, for whatever reason, held back. Maybe they thought they were in automatically for whatever reason. I don't know. It did know. seem like they were working for a tie. Like, at the beginning of the game, it seemed like like Mexico's – historically been one of those teams that just long balls it up court and tries to make something happen a big attacking forward moving offensive right. team 
Um, this year, the one thing that I thought was different was their ability to pass to the middle um, and working things up the middle. And also their set pieces have been really good. I was really surprised by that. None of that happened today. Right. None of the passing was Chris. How many I, – I can probably count – I'd probably need both my hands and my feet to count the amount of times that someone had a ball in a good position in the middle of the, of the pitch, and then they just passed it terribly forward, or they dribbled into someone. It was really sloppy. Yeah. Um, I think this, is, this World Cup is the year that they have the best chance to advance, mm-hmm. um, but for whatever reason, they came out today and they weren't ready to play. Yeah. Simply put. Do you think they were tired? Because the one thing that I, I've been noticing – from a lot of the teams that looked really good last week and haven't looked as good this week, to me it looks like fatigue. I don't know if that's emotional fatigue from the roller coaster ride of emotions that goes for because for a lot of these teams, like I, I asked you over the weekend, what would it mean to a team from Mexico to win the World Cup? And you were like, it would change my life. Like it would change my, it would change my life as a as a, a Mexican American, and that is what they are feeling on a moment to moment basis. But depending on if a goal goes in or a goal doesn't, and they, a lot of teams look tired. I think Mexico looked tired. Chicharito looked exhausted at the end of that game. Yeah, they did look tired, and um, they, I feel like they should have put in the subs a lot sooner than they did. Mm-hmm. I think they waited a little bit too long. But again, Sweden just came out, balls to the wall. They were pressuring. They were controlling the ball. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like Mexico was just chasing them the yeah. whole time. That's so, what I felt. And the one thing that I thought, whenever they played Germany, they had such – I think they came in – um, kind of like whenever a team plays uh, the Cavaliers or the Golden State Warriors, they come in playing their A game. I feel like they were they were excited to play Germany. Germany was one of the top teams in the world. They had won the World Cup last time. And when Mexico came against them, the passes were crisp. The head was in the game. They were putting everything in because they know if we steal this game, we set ourselves up good in the group. And I feel like they came into this game, like you said, a little lackadaisical, um, missing some passes, and I think they let Sweden do to them what, what Germany did to Sweden, which was kind of just exhaust you with passes. And you would just see Sweden just kind of like being okay, staying around the midfield mark and passing the ball and moving it like that. And then, to be honest, they did whatever European team tries to do to a Latin American team, which is just be taller than you and get headers in and try to you know use that. It was a pretty physical game, too. It was physical, and uh, I agree with everything you said. I think the game could have gone either way. Um, Sweden, oh, they were pushing the ball. They got the first goal, and that's manageable. They could have came back from that. But then that second goal, which was a penalty, I don't exactly agree with it, not because I'm biased. I just, from what I've seen in the World Cup, they have the refs, you know, one ref will call this, but the other ref won't. Mm -hmm. So, um I don't think it was a penalty, but either way, they scored, and it was it was the of all the penalties that have been scored or called, it was one of the lighter ones. Exactly. Now, now, so what they what they've been really strict on doing is because of the the introduction of VAR, which has to me helped a lot. Like there was a lot of people talking about the bad things about it, but no, no. Like how many times have we watched the World Cup and there's been a very obvious call missed? Yeah. And I think even though it slowed down the game a little bit, we don't have commercials, so it hasn't slowed it down that much. And we get the accurate call. By the letter of the law, he did roll on the guy's ankle a little bit, but that wasn't what caused that guy to fall. The yeah. moment he touched his ankle, he was like, I'm going down because I know I'll get a penalty here. And, you know, Ronaldo's made that really popular. <laughs> like, yeah. Ronaldo has capitalized on that a lot. Um, so I didn't think that was it either. But the, the third goal was a goal of 
fatigue, like a goal of emotional just. It was an own goal. It was in. in Yeah, it was just a. When everyone knows that feeling. If you've ever played soccer, if you've ever played any sport at all, when you're getting skunked, when you're getting beat, you your energy level goes down. Your you know the adrenaline from the game is gone, and bad things happen. I remember I was playing football when I was a kid uh, in high school. And we were losing to a team, and we were like state champion aspirations. We went to the state championship that game. It was my junior year, and we were getting beat by a team 29 to nothing. We had never been shut out of a game. And that team was a bigger school than us, much bigger, but they were just better than us. And one, I remember a guy coming off the line, and instead of like doing like a swim move or a rip move, he just punched one of my teammates in the chest, and the guy just fell over. And I was like, Meet, are you all right? He's like, I, ain't, I just don't have it today. That guy punched me, and I was just like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> like, it just fell over. And I feel like that's what that on goal was. That on goal was, we're done, we're emotionally fatigued, and you're just like, oh, I'll try to clear it. And then the fact that it went into the goal, he was just like, yeah, it's not my day. You know, you could just kind of move on. Yeah, I, I think Mexico was expecting a better result, even though they didn't come out as good as I thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. But after that second goal, uh, their mind wasn't right. Yeah. And once, once you're down... That- it happened at half. At half. They came back in the second half, and it seemed like Sweden... I think what happened... One, one thing I would, I would propose to you. Do you think Sweden saw Germany was tied with South Korea at halftime and realized all we have to do is get one goal and that, we're into the next round? That I don't know. Because on the flip side, Mexico must have seen that and been like, okay, it's easy enough but, for Germany to score the one goal and advance, and then we're out. So Well, if they would have... No, no, if they would have... Because it was zero zero at half, and for, so for Mexico, Mexico and Mexico and Sweden were zero zero. Germany and South Korea were zero zero. If it finished like that, Mexico ended up at the top of the group. Correct. So they would needed to fight for the tie. Sweden realizes with one goal they make it through. So does Mexico. Mexico realizes all we have to do is get a tie. I think some of the intensity in the game, if both teams saw that, was gone. Whereas in the other game, you know, it's really up. I think that. Man, I, I wonder if South Korea was up one to nothing and Sweden knew they were in, if both teams come in a little flat. But the fact that Sweden now thinks, because I don't know about you, but I thought Germany was going to blow out South Korea. Like yeah. they would have they would scored early and just kind of coast and went one to nothing. If not, score late. That's yeah. what I thought. I thought Germany was going to break our hearts and score yeah. late. Yeah, and so Germany scoring then, or, or not scoring at all, and South Korea. South Korea scored one legit goal. They scored one legit goal. The second one was the full court, like they the full. The yeah, they pulled the goalie yeah. up, and it was a full, like a just a full court kick, and or full field kick, and it was just one of those things where that happens. But I wonder if that affected them. I wonder if that halftime because them coming out that flat seemed to be, and also no subs happening at halftime, which I thought was weird. France got a lot of their guys out early. Um, it was a little weird, but I wonder if. You see that happen because the Mexican fans didn't look at halftime, I don't think. Because you would see them, you saw them crying during the game. You saw people sobbing yeah. on the Mexico side. And then all of a sudden, around the 88th minute, the 90th minute, you heard the announcers even saying, I think the Mexican fans have started to look at their phone. Yeah. And they looked at their phone, saw Germany still tied. I wonder and, how many of them had service there. Yeah, and they, so they saw they were tied. And then all of a sudden, the fans started getting ha- happier and like still cheering their team on because. You are still making it to the next round. You're making it out, and you're still happy. And then once South Korea scored, I mean, it, you could have turned off the game then. Like, they, yeah. they were, it was over. Yeah. So, for, for uh, Mexico, anyway. Um, but let's go through the group stages. We're going to work through all, all of them right now. Let's go through uh, Group A. Uh, we know how that's finishing. Uruguay finished top of the group with three wins, zero losses, nine points. Uh, one of the more convincing group wins. And Russia 
is uh, second in the group, and they are coming out of there. Uruguay is playing Portugal. Correct. And the next in the knockout first first round, the knockout round in Russia is playing Spain. Uruguay Portugal's other than Mexico Brazil might be the, the game of the knockout. Absolutely, I think based on what I've seen this year, Uruguay's performance has been the best. Okay. Um, a lot of people will argue with that, but mm-hmm. they just their passes have been crisp. They all seem to be on the same page, and. I, I, I agree with you. Their I, mindset is win. Yeah, and also they have one of the rarest things in soccer, which is uh, Suarez in shape, and that yeah. does not happen very often. Most of the time he comes in a little, like, over, has to play himself into shape. He's been in shape since the beginning of the cur- tournament, and also if you notice his celebration after goals is making fun of it. He makes, like, the belly motion yeah. and then, like, throws <laughs> up how many he's scored so far. He knows what he's doing. Um, they, are, they are tall at, at the front line. They are quick. And they are disciplined. And the way that they won, they scored five goals. They had zero goals scored against them. And there was a big party for Russia. Like, the first two games Russia played against Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Now, it needs to be stated that Saudi Arabia and Egypt. But Russia put up, what, um, eight goals? Like, eight goals in in, in that game, in those two games. And... They went up against Uruguay, and you see the class of division. You see the class of, of soccer. Yes, that, that Russia is probably – I think people were putting Russia in the top five, and I thought that was really premature. But Russia is a good team. They have a tall uh, front line when it comes to uh, their forward number nine, who was able to put in a lot of headers for them in the opening games. And they have a great number 10 uh, assist man um, that plays for them. But they're not Uruguay. They're not. And, no, Uruguay is just on a different level. And I think Cavani is playing amazing ball right now. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are focusing so much on Suarez that it's opening up other players to mm-hmm. get free, to make runs. Um, so I think Uruguay is a team to beat mm-hmm. as far as the tournament's gone so far. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, you've got some some scary people coming in. On the other side, you got Croatia. Actually, am I getting too far? No, no, no. Uh, well, so Uruguay plays Portugal. Correct. How do you think they match up with Portugal moving forward? Because I'm worried about Pepe on that back line. I'm worried about the whole defense for Portugal because they did not look good playing Iran. And Iran's not good. Iran is sloppy. I mean, they're playing their hearts out. That's the hardest thing to, to say in the World Cup because what's the biggest thing, you know, whenever you play a sport, the biggest thing you worry about is the heart of the other team. Yeah. And how much of, how much of that do they have? And people playing for their lives is a big, important thing. Now it's knockout phase. Phase everyone's playing like that. Exactly. So how do you think they match up? I think they match up pretty well and very even. Um, I mean, you've got one of the greatest strikers ever mm-hmm. playing on your team, Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to be scary defending him. But I think they're both playing very evenly matched. I just think Uruguay is is they're all on the same page. Yeah. Whereas there's been times where Portugal kind of seems lost. Mm-hmm. And they had a sloppy game, but that's fine. I mean, rather get the sloppy games out of the way in the group stage and then move forward, fix those problems moving forward in the tournament. Um, but honestly, that game could go either way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, to me, it depends on one or two things. The one thing about Uruguay is they're one of their hothead, their hothead team. Mm-hmm. They will be quick to get fouled. They'll, they'll be quick to get a yellow card. And there's a few players on the Uruguay squad that already have yellow cards, which could end up being a red, which could end up being a man down. I think this plays into Portugal a little bit with the fact that they know they have a defensive liability. They're a counter-striking team. They base their offense on the counterattack. 
And if they can put enough people there defensively to lure Uruguay in, they get a counterattack. Portugal's never going to beat anybody five to nothing, four to nothing. They're not doing that. What Portugal wants to do is make it mucky, keep the score down to 0-0, and get Ronaldo in the box for a header or a one, like a one-on or a pass and beat you one to nothing or two to one. That's what they want to do. And I think that they can do that against Uruguay. It's going to be hard, but they're going to have to commit more people to the defense and play slow ball for the first half. I think perfect world for them, they end up 0-0 at the half. And they give Ronaldo a striking chance at the end of the game. I don't know if they can do it, though, because that defense looks really bad. And I wonder about Suarez's ability to get in there. And you know what? They Because of, <clears throat> because of VAR, your one sloppy takedown from being in a penalty kick or a striking situation, and I don't, you know, for both of them with Portugal and Suarez, that's a dangerous matchup. That's and I, very it's, true. That it, really changes the yeah, game. Yeah, it changes the game. It, like it changes the game that way. And when it comes to the other matchup, which is Spain and Russia, I don't, I, I, I personally think Spain, that is the best thing that could have happened to them is getting the, like, getting the difference against Portugal and getting the, the group phase and facing Russia, I don't think they, they're going to take Russia lightly by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. Goal, no team that puts up eight goals in three games you should take lightly, especially in the World Cup. Especially the home team. Especially the home team. They're going to have the crowd advantage. They're going to have the angry fans. But I think the class of Spain wins out in that matchup. I think that they have the ability to just smother you. I mean, what, what do they say? They have like an average of 780 passes a game. I think they average around 69 to 72% of possession you're talking about a team that you have to be it's kind of like when you're playing the patriots don't turn the ball over don't like be good on special teams don't make mistakes and you'll and you have a chance to win the game you have to play a perfect game against spain exactly i don't know if i i don't know if russia has that in them i think spain wins that one uh for that i think spain wins that one too okay i think that score will be i'm gonna say three two three two spain Man, I, don't, I I really wonder if Iniesta and in that in the defense allows them to get get two goals. I think I, if, if Spain scores three, I think they win by two. I mean, Iniesta is Iniesta, but I I'm surprised he's still playing amazing soccer. Dude, amazing. He makes at least three passes in the box that should be goals that people mess up. Yeah. Like that. Like the last game, he just slides through. People miss him, and then it's just this little flick, and all of a sudden, it's just right in the middle of the goal, and it's like no one knows how the hell he got there. Him and Messi are the best at that, are just sliding in between. Um, whereas, like, I, I really like to c- compare uh, Ronaldo to LeBron because he just imposes his will on other teams, like with his uh, size and speed and just forces his way down the middle of the field. And, uh, and it's just such an, an impressive soccer. Uh, he's one of the most impressive people I've ever watched on the, soccer, on the soccer field. So moving on, we have Group C and D. Those are the ones that play each other next, correct? Correct. Um, so we are looking at uh, the group phase. Um, in C, we have France and Denmark, who won out, won out that group. Uh, and then Croatia and Argentina that won out on the next one. France, I, we talked about this over the weekend, but France is my, one of my picks for like, the best teams in the World Cup. I think that they have, they're a young team. They have incredible talent. And they have some talent on their team that aren't quite 20 yet. And that's scary. Young legs, quickness, the ability to push the pace. And I don't think we've seen their best game yet. This is the, actually the only group I haven't seen play, mm-hmm. just because of my schedule. But um, 
I have seen some highlights, and yeah, France is playing very good ball right well, now. Remember, they made it to the European final against Portugal and lost one to nothing against them. Um, and they are playing Argentina next, which Argentina has not looked good, and France hasn't yeah. looked great. So it's kind of one of those games is, did both of them figure out what they were doing wrong in the last round and correct it? One, we had Bogba that didn't play in the last game for France. He was out because of a penalty. He's in this game. Um, the striker for them, uh, for, for France, was not in for – I think they pulled him out early. Uh, Griezmann, they pulled him out early in that last game for France. Argentina, obvious props with the coach. Like, yeah. that's huge. Like, they don't like their coach. After they – the only game they won in the group stage, their coach leaves the field immediately after the game. He walks out because the players don't like him. The players are fighting with him. Apparently, there was a coup d'etat in the locker room where the players said, we're going to play what we want to play. We're going to do what we want to do. You have no clue how to coach this team. Number one, when has Messi ever played a straight-up striker on the right side of the field? That's not what he plays. And he has had him on an island – over there, he's been playing different players. Who do you think wins the matchup between Argentina and France? I think France, uh, solely because this is all speculation. But if, again, there's something going on with that team. Mm-hmm. It's it just seems broken, yeah. um, and Messi just doesn't look motivated. Yeah, people are comparing that team to the Cavs. Like other than in just meme form, which has been pretty awesome on Twitter, people are act- actively comparing it, saying. Messi is on the field with a bunch of scrubs. I don't necessarily feel that way. I don't feel like a team that almost won the World Cup four years ago, a team that's been really good and has people playing in, um, made, like in uh, multiple professional leagues of soccer is that bad. But there's something wrong either in the chemistry or the way they're playing it. I think France is a hornet's nest that has not woken up yet. And I think they have the speed, they have the class, they have the ability to just obliterate teams if they want to. And uh, one thing that France has, um, other than Bagba, is um, Mbappe. Uh, Kylian Mbappe. He is, like, that is the one guy that they did an interview with Bagba, and he was like, that he has the ability to be the next Ronaldo, is what he said about him. He said that kid has everything it takes to be the next Ronaldo. He has the speed, the touch. Um, and the biggest thing that, like, they always say in, like, when they're talking about soccer stuff is a, a nose for the goal. But you know those players. Like you've, you've played soccer. I've played soccer. You know those players that just somehow when the ball lands, it's either on their foot or they have a bil- ability to head the ball, and they're just around it at all times. And I, Mbappe definitely has that ability. How old is he? 19. That's what I thought. He's the second youngest player, right? Yeah, second youngest player in the tournament is 19, which is scary as hell. What were we doing at Wait, 19? Now he's, the, now he's the youngest, right? Because the, other, the youngest player was Nigerian? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Well, he can't be... They're, they're, it couldn't have changed. If one's the second youngest player, he can't then become the first youngest player unless someone dies. Well, Nigeria's out. Oh, yeah, yeah now he's, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, okay, I get what you're saying. I was like, did a guy die? No. <laughs> okay, and so from there we have Denmark, and Denmark is playing Croatia. Uh, the Danes scored only two goals in the group stage. Croatia looked unstoppable at times because they, sc- they scored seven in the group stage. Um, led by uh, just and uh, um, yeah, what? My that's the other team I was gonna say. Croatia has blown me away. Modric is playing the best soccer I've seen him play. Um, the, the guy's lights out. I mean, he's doing it all. He's making the passes, making the runs. He's scoring goals from the set pieces, and that I mean, anybody on the left side of the or the right side of the bracket should fear this guy. 
So they're playing Denmark. I'm assuming Croatia is going to beat Denmark. And then you got Croatia against the winner of Spain and Russia. That game is going to be the scary one. Yeah, I, Spain, if they win, or Russia. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing because Croatia was so much better than everyone in their group. And Denmark, Peru, and Australia, it's, those, are, those are teams that just are obviously not in the class that France is. And personally, I would have liked for Australia to make it. I just liked their team more. They were more entertaining for me to watch. But the one thing that you cannot put past Denmark is they have a great goalie. They do. They, they have really do. Uh, a goalie who's is um, what's it called? Uh, legacy. His dad was a Hall of Fame soccer player. He is quality, and he. The one thing about him is he is not afraid to come out there and separate people from the ball. And he's going to have to do a lot of. He's going to have to have you know be one of those goalies that stands on his head. Like when you're talking about hockey, he's going to have to be everywhere for them. And that's the one advantage Denmark has. I think Croatia is so excited to be in this position and be doing this. I don't think that Denmark's able to stop them. I think we're going to go chalk on this one. And I think that Croatia just overwhelms them with, I think in the, in these groups that we're talking about, I don't think we're going to see a lot of upsets in the first knockout phase of these ones. Uh, let's move on to group E where you're going to have to decide whether to bet with your brain or with your heart. What are you picking? Brazil, Mexico. Well, in the past Mexico, Here's the thing. Mexico's a really good Here's team. Here's where we get the lie. All right, everyone everyone lean in lean in while you're listening to this on your phones or lean in people. No, Mexico's a very good team and they have the players, they have high caliber players and they they're clicking on all cylinders right now. They had one bad game, but I, I think it's good to get that game out of the way. You also the have the stage. best announcer of all the sports. That's true. All the sports announcers. You got the you got the guys who's who's who are uncomfortably honest. <laughs> Have you listened to them? They're like, everything is falling apart from Mexico right now. We are crumbling before your eyes. Look at us. We are just destroying ourselves. And I'm like, <laughs> I'll say one thing. If you're watching it in English, you're doing the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> no, but, but Mexico, they, they're really good until they're put in the moment where it really means something. Okay. And then they're never able to, to just play their best. They okay. just, for whatever reason. So they're good with a lead. With the lead, they'll they'll pile it on. But if they're down by and it, one, and it's not don't. even that; it's just in the big moments okay. when it really counts. That when they move on from the group stage, they they just can't pass the hurdle. They mm-hmm. they can't. So and Bra- this, I mean Brazil's done it year after year after year. Maybe this is your moment though, because this is supposed to be the golden year for Mexico. Uh, a lot of people are saying that this is the team that has the chance to make a run. If this isn't, where do we go from here? I, man, it's it's an interesting point because I agree. I think Brazil just seems so formidable. And I don't know about you. The one thing I liked about your guys was your speed across the board. But Brazil, I don't know if it's their uniforms, but they look it's impressive to watch. It is like a soccer clinic. It's like watching Spain at uh, two World Cups ago when they were just in their prime and just beating people up with all that possession and moving the ball over, all over the place. I think that you guys have the ability to win this game. We absolutely do. You have to hope that this is your uh, Washington Capitals moment where you come back and you beat Sydney, you beat the Penguins in a Game 7. Like You get to pu- pu- push to the brink of elimination and you upset 
Brazil, and then that that's when you know, like you get through that hurdle, you make a run. That's momentum's on your side. A lot of people, analytics like to talk about momentum not existing. If you watch sports long enough, you know when that team gets over that hurdle, they make a run. Your what's your base case scenario here? You bring them to a penalty, or you get them into the extra time, or you just surprise them and get a goal up with like two minutes left in the game. Best case scenario is we come out like we played against Germany. Okay. And honestly, it, it it's it's not favorable that Mexico lost the group or came second place in the group. Now they're facing Brazil. Mm-hmm. But the way I see it, I mean, uh, would, would cup you... half full. You, you're in the World Cup. Now you're playing probably one of the best teams in the World Cup. And, I mean, some people might want to take the easy route, make it to the championship, and then play the hardest team. For me, I just want to square up with the toughest team and beat them first from the get-go because if you do that then the momentum's going to build and you can just ride on that okay so best case scenario is mexico plays like they did with germany they're focused their passing is crisp precise and they they got to take the first goal okay because if they don't i'm afraid that brazil might even take on attack on another goal and they're going to put their heads down so for Mexico to win, I'm saying they need to they need to force the first goal. Okay, I will say this: the one thing that also helps you is right now the Mexican public or not Mexican, the Brazilian public, and social media and fans are riding Neymar. And the one thing I will say about this is Neymar, Ronaldo, and Messi have more pressure on them. Then I can, and I think social media doesn't help this because now they're able to see it. Like everyone's able to talk about it and they're able to put it in newspapers and stuff. You're not getting a Brazilian newspaper in Russia. So you don't see what's being written. Now you see everything. And social media, people are able to reach out to him. Neymar's friends are fighting with people on social media. I wonder you if have, they do the LeBron and just turn their social media off for yeah, well, the duration he, of the He tournament. hasn't. He actually started infighting with people on social media to defend his friends. He got upset about it. And what I'm saying is like, he probably should insulate himself, but you have to hope. That, that, that their pressure is going to do one or two things. It's either galvanize them and then they play really hard or it's going to distract them. And like you said, if you get a game up, that pressure starts mounting on Neymar's shoulders mm-hmm. and it starts weighing on him. But the same thing for Mexico. Friend, I mean, be happy you're here. Or you could be like us in America that are just stuck here with no team in the tournament whatsoever. We've got Landon Donovan doing commercials with the guy from Silicon Valley, <laughs> which makes you feel even more sad because we don't even have, we don't have a current soccer player that is popular enough to make it in a commercial terrible facts it's horrible anyway all right moving on to the next person in the group it'll be switzerland versus sweden a group of people that you only know if you like chocolate so do you have an opinion on this game i do have an opinion do you think this is our first upset well switzerland well it depends who you think's gonna win well do will switzerland take sweden i think sweden will win Ooh. so you're going chalk again this is fourth game of chalk just want to point this out if you're better you know where we're leaning I'm going to say Sweden. and How much would you put on it? Because me and Vic, if you guys – actually, you guys don't know this because we haven't said it. Uh, me and Vic are both avid gamblers. Uh, Vic's more on the degenerate side. I'm more on no, the not, side um, that's in the middle. But <laughs> how much would you put on it? All right, so – I would everybody, throw 50 on it. Every, okay, I'd ooh, be modest. Because 20, 20 is the gateway drug. 50 means you actually believe in what you're saying. So you think Sweden will beat them for a 50 spot. Yeah. And and here's why I think Sweden's if they come I think it's not if I know they're gonna come out with the same intensity that did, that they did with Mexico, mm-hmm. and they're just gonna pressure them and pressure them and pressure them until they get that goal. Okay. And I think Switzerland 
I mean, they're going to have their chances too, mm-hmm. but I think they're going to be chasing Sweden because Sweden was running around Mexico. And I think that's that's exactly what's going to happen in the Switzerland game. Okay. I'm going I'm going with Switzerland. I think that they're going to win and it is purely on one of my one of my weird quirky rules. There's a 50 there right well, there. Jeez. All right. Well, 50 has been bet on this game and now you see how this podcast is going to turn out. But all right, so 50 bucks are bet on this game and I am taking Switzerland because of one rule I have and it is that the Swedish players look sloppy or yeah, the Sweden players look sloppy. And when people look sloppy and out of shape and in the World Cup everyone's got their hair done. They got their best tattoos showing. They're looking A class cuz there's a billion there's 3 billion people watching them. A lot of Sweden people look sloppy. I don't trust the sloppy people. I don't trust the sloppy people making my food. I don't trust. I'm not betting on sloppy people. That's why I don't. That's why I don't bet on Eli Manning a lot. <laughs> so, I'm betting on Switzerland for no other reason than I think the guy who takes penalty kicks for Sweden looks like a guy that should be cooking fries. Let me say this: You watched the Mexico Sweden game, fries. right? Big cooking culture in Sweden. Yeah, you watched the Mexico Sweden game, right? Yes. Every time Sweden had the ball, and they were they were heading into Mexico's defense where you I mean you might not be a Mexico fan but were you nervous I think well, you, should, you, think you should have been I was every <laughs> single time every single time because they're dangerous down there no I, but the thing is I don't think they're dangerous I think Mexico played really bad I think dude the Mexican defense kept getting there was this, the same thing happened the announcer even pointed out like I don't know why our defenders are clumping towards the middle and forgetting that there's a Swedish guy just standing over to the left and then they said it the next play they went down, the Mexican guy saw, clearly saw, a guy standing beside him and ran to the middle and stood from about, for about three feet away from his other defender. Balls pass right past him. That dude gets the ball, dribbles it in, scores. And I'm like, if everyone in the world is seeing it in Mexico, it was almost like whenever people play baseball, they, sh- they field shift because the hitter can only hit in one direction. It was like you assumed they couldn't pass to the left. Like, it, they're the opposite of NASCAR drivers. And they're just like, I can't go to the left. And every time he went over there, they just shifted over the possession. And Mexico had done that. Mexico, Mexico had done a really good job because they – maybe their scouting report was wrong. Maybe the scouting report said they like to play to the middle and they play to the right. And they needed to be more evenly defended. But I don't think Sweden is as good as they looked in that game versus Mexico. I think Switzerland takes that one. I, they, played, they played very well against Germany. I mean, Germany only beat them with that last-minute goal. Sweden and Germany, mm-hmm. so. I, but I, that's the Germany team that just let North, uh, South Korea beat them. <laughs> they let North Korea beat them. That's true. Um, so moving on to the Group G and Group H, these are two groups that have not been settled yet. Uh, actually, yeah, Belgium and England have already settled. There's Japan, Senegal, Colombia, and Poland. Uh, Poland's out, but it's still up in the air between three, of the, yeah, three of the more passionate found bases that are in soccer, which is uh, – Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. Uh, I know me and you, we watched this game live with a bunch of Colombian fans. We're rooting for Colombia. We hope Colombia does really well. Um, just so that the bars will be filled with Colombian women. That is a big fan of uh, mine and Mike's and anybody else that enjoys looking at women. So it's a good time. And uh, there, are no, there are no women from Senegal at the bar that I can recognize. I haven't seen a person in that jersey yet. So um, where do, how do you think these groups shake out? Do you think Japan is able to hold on to the top spot? Senegal, Colombia, it's Senegal versus Colombia. For this the, one is the really a toss-up. Um, 
but I, I really think Senegal is going to move move ahead in the in the okay in the bracket. Um, they're just physical and they're fast, mm-hmm. and I really like their their forward. He's been playing very good ball. Pause while Vic looks it up. Um, no, I will say this. While you look that up, I agree that Senegal has looked intimidating. They look so freaking intimidating. Like, they were stretching, and they looked like different athletes than what the other soccer players looked like. Nigeria had the same thing. And I know that this sounds weird, but the teams from the African continent, when they have played some of these other places, I don't think – I think people kind of expect a lower degree of soccer – like knowledge because they're not from the traditional soccer powerhouses, but these guys know how to pass. They know the game. They they know the beautiful game. They're playing, um, but they're playing it different. They're playing it so fast, it almost works as their detriment sometimes because the counterattack kind of killed Nigeria from time to time. But I think Senegal is the, to me, at times when you watch it, looks like the class of this division. They look better than Japan. They look like the team that should be leading it. I think t- Japan's going to get easy three points with playing. Uh, Poland, but I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if Senegal won this. And for Colombia, you kind of got to hope that a miracle happens and Poland loses or or beats Japan. That's got to be your biggest hope because I would like to see Colombia press on, but they didn't do any of themselves any favors with that loss. I'm still trying to look up this name. Can't find the one guy I from can't Senegal. Find the one guy. I, I, I don't know their names. I. I this is a team that I don't know. How much do you not about, know? How do you not know every member of the Sen- the, <laughs> the Senegal soccer team? I'm really disappointed in you for not knowing that. Um, but the one thing Are I will say about, about okay, Senegal so you're talking is, about strikers. So yeah. we have for them we have. Uh, I will say this: Senegal, they're all, they seem to be in the Niang right place at Diof? the right time. Is it Diof? I think that's D- Dofo Diof. But th- they just seem to be in the right place at the right time. Okay. And. I think sometimes defenses get lactobasical and they they lose their man. They're too focused on the ball when the ball's coming up on the midfield, and they lose their man. I just yeah. feel like they're in the right place at the right time. Mbaye Niang is the one is one of the forwards that has scored a goal for them, and then it looks like I'll tell you this: the Senegal did allow a goal to Poland, and I think they should be ashamed of that. They also allowed two goals from Japan. It's like I said, sometimes with great speed comes a, a susceptible, you're susceptible to a counterattack. I would worry about that. I think Colombia has the ability to beat Senegal. I know we've been talking the praises of Senegal. Colombia definitely has the talent on the roster, the ability, the class. This is also a team that did pretty well in the last World Cup. I'd be surprised if they didn't come out with it. I think personally for me, though, I'd love to see Senegal make it because I don't think a single African country has made it into the knockout stage. I was really rooting for Nigeria, but I'll get on the Senegal bandwagon, um, hoping that they make it through. If they don't, I won't be surprised, though. If Japan doesn't make it in, I'll be happy. I don't really want to see Japan in the next round. It doesn't. That, maybe that comes from my, me rooting for U.S. They do women's have soccer, one, and they're J- always fighting with Japan. But. Japan does have one player that I do know very well, mm-hmm. only because he plays in the Mexican League. Oh. Uh, and that's Honda. K. Honda. Yep. Yeah, he's he's their he's their best offensive option, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I I would say so. Um, he came off the bench the last game, but man, as soon as that guy came in, he was a spark. He scored. Player. He scored. Yeah, the he, last game, he yeah? yeah. He actually won the, or scored the winning goal. Okay. 
That's oh. what I thought because I remembered his name coming up too whenever he played Columbia, and I was I was number one. I laughed because his name's Honda, but that's just yeah. Why well, I, I that's know humor him. that's normally safe for the pour yeah. up, but we I know him because he today. plays for a Mexico team. Yeah. So if they, if if it shapes out the way it is right now, we're looking at. Uh, Japan making it through as the winner of this group stage, and they will be playing Belgium, and Senegal making it through, and they will be playing the Buzzsaw, which is England right now. Got people in England, they got the three Lions really excited right now because England looks like the best fucking team in the World Cup. They look awesome, and they look like they have not only the ability, they, dude, that kid, uh, Kane. Their front line guy is everywhere. He is a nose around the ball, and he has three young guys around him playing in the midfield and his other forward that look amazing. I like. I haven't talked about England because I knew I was gonna. Bra- I was just gonna like sing their praises whenever we got to them. But to me, it's been England, it's been France, it's been Belgium, it's been Brazil, and it's man. I I really was a fan of um, of Portugal until their last game. But to me, those those teams have separated themselves and what they have to offer. And with Sterling, with Young, with Kane, like it just got a really. I mean, good these are team, all big man. names. Yeah, got big. God, like they, like you said, they're big names. Yeah, I think England might have made a mistake by scoring too many goals. And why I say that is because is that a thing? Are people worried about that scoring too many goals? I don't think you're worried about it when you're playing, but when <laughs> after the game and you analyze these things, I think they did because give Belgium the win. I mean, you never want to give a win, but let them win that group because what that does is that puts you on the opposite side of the Uruguay's, Portugal's, France, Brazil, Mexico. Yeah. So, I mean, they could they should have left the game 4-0, 3-0. I mean, I think it ended 5-0 or something like mm-hmm. that. They should have left it for five, uh, four zero. I mean, take the win. I do think that when you're up that amount over a team, you kind of always pull back six one. Like if you put it in football score. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Six one. Six one. You're winning at forty two to seven. If it's a football game, I mean, no one really wants to watch that game. So I mean, just to put it in terms that Americans who are not in the tournament would would uh, recognize. But yeah, I agree with that. I think that pulling back. But at the same time, I think at the time, you didn't know how the groups were going to shake up. You Correct. want to win your group. Correct. And Belgium has been fierce, man. Belgium is good. And I mean, like, you're talking about a lot of the same things that we're complimenting England for. Belgium has the same quality, like the same yeah. amount of pass, the same amount of pace, the same amount of um, team chemistry. The one thing you cannot discard is a team that likes each other. And the re- one thing we're, ho- we're, we're worried about with Argentina, we're worried about with Brazil – is are the teams cohesive? Are they playing together? Are they communicating? And England and Belgium don't have these questions, like, and neither does France. They, it looks like those guys love to play together, and they love their coach. I, I would agree. Um, more importantly than having superstar athletes is a team that is united. They oh. have the same mentality, same goal, and they're mm-hmm. driven by the same, same drive of being the world champions. Mm-hmm. And I think... Of course, these both these teams have that. Mm-hmm. They both have one mindset, and that's that's getting to the World Cup. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're lo- it might be Japan and Senegal moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I then would you would say have that. So you would have, have Senegal versus England. Yep, I, I think we're united in thinking England wins England, that. Yes, I without think, a doubt. I think Japan versus Belgium is kind of. I think this is a layup version of it too. We only came up with one real surprise. 
uh, out of out of the in the first round of the elimination. But that's usually kind of what happens. The first sixteen, you really do see like the the wheat separate from the chaff, and I think that's really what you're going to look at. I'll tell you this: the one thing we did not say about Argentina, and me and Mike have talked about it quite a bit, that the biggest thing they have going for them is they have Maradona on their sidelines, <laughs> and so um, I saw. I don't. I don't. I don't think Maradona thought. They were going to win the last no, no. game. He was I, wasted. Dude, I saw a tweet that said, I want to be in the magic school bus that is currently going through Maradona's veins <laughs> right now. <laughs> because that dude was going through a roller coaster ride. When the ESPN story that said Maradona received medical attention after the game I didn't popped see up. That. Yeah, he had paramedics in his box <laughs> taking care of him after the game. I was like, not duh. That dude did so much cocaine. <laughs> like You just could tell. Like That guy either drank his ass off or he did drugs or he did both. And I'm going with C... Like, I'm going with C, Colin. Like, I'm going with that one because he was flicking off the Nigerian fans and, like, I mean, he was sleeping open. in the first half. Yeah, like, he was out. It was funny, it was the camera was on him for an abnormally yeah, long why, amount of time. Why, filming why does him the sleep. camera keep going to him? And they then, know that the guy is not right yeah, right al- now. Also, gotta give him props for not having just one diamond ring in each year, but having two diamond rings in each year, just letting people know how many World Cups he won. And one, he did by cheating. But, you know, it's whatever. It's, I mean, it's from like 30, 40 years ago. So who cares? So with, with the group shaking out the way they are and we're looking at, you know, teams that we're seeing playing each other, we picked uh, as a toss up with Uruguay and Portugal. We're looking we predicted uh, France to beat Argentina. We yep. predicted. Uh, are we going to go with Brazil to beat Mexico? Are you betting against your team? I'm not going to bet, but I. M- my mind and my knowledge is going to say Brazil. Would I mean, you, they've been there you, before. Would you bet a hundred bucks on Mexico? I would not. I would never bet. Straight up. I wouldn't. Straight up. Nope. No. Okay. Never. He just said I would never bet. You shook fifty bucks on my hand. What are you talking about? All right. So um, then you have Spain, Russia. We pick Spain, Croatia, Denmark. We pick Croatia, Sweden, Switzerland. We're split on that one. So how would it shake out with the games? We know how they would play. We'd be looking at a. Let's just say, let's say, let's go chalk. Let's say Uruguay faces France. We'll have a Brazil um, versus England. Is that what we would have? Hold on one second. Uh, yeah, we'd have a we'd have um, Brazil versus England, which is a nuts matchup. Who who do you think makes it to the the finals of it? Let's do it that way. Who do, who do you think makes it to from the finals of the side? World Cup from each side? Who do you think are the best two teams? So on the bet on the, the on best that, two teams on each side. On, best two teams on each side. I'm going to have to say uh, that's a tough one because I, I'm stuck on the left side because I think Uruguay is playing the best ball so far. Okay. But who knows down the road if they can keep up that type of performance? Yeah. My gut wants me to say that it's Brazil on the left side, but I honestly don't know how much Mexico is going to wear them out. Because I think that's one thing you have to think of. With two teams that like to play the ball fast, it's kind of like... But they're so deep. It's kind of like the Warriors playing the Rockets. When you have two teams that are really good offensively, you're going to have to keep your best players in for the whole game, no matter how tired they are, and then you're going to have to exhaust yourself to win it if it's not a blowout. If it's a blowout, let's say Brazil gets up by two... They can rest, they can sub, they can kind of take their foot off the gas. If it's close the whole way down, Brazil could be tired. And then they're looking at playing England, tired. A team that has just as much pace, 
It looks to have just as much class. Not necessarily. I mean, it's, there's four games between each game. Or four days, I'm sorry. Four days between each game. So, I mean. I w- I, what I'm saying, I would worry about that. I would worry about how much you're going to get taxed. Because we looked at, a, what, a week between? What, how many days did they have between games during the group stage? You're looking at two to three days between each game? The first game, between the first and the second game, it was a week. And then it was a week? Okay. And then the, the second to the third was... Uh, four days or something. So, like and we saw a lot of uh, exhaustion between those. We did, we, so I would, I would be worried about that. I would say if they're, if they're tired, I would expect England to make it out. And then it's for me, I wonder if it's France, England in the final. And that's, that's a toss up to me. That's when they could go to penalties because on my side, I think that France would beat Uruguay. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it happened the other way. I wouldn't be surprised if Portugal made it out because Portugal is always that team that, like I said, is low scoring, but for some reason they won the Euro. They won the Euro by not looking like the best team in their division pretty much the whole tournament. Yeah, I'm not counting them out at all. I mean, me picking Uruguay is not me saying they're not playing great ball. I mean, something's just telling me that Uruguay is going to win, but and so Portugal you, can very easily come out of that side. Do of you the have group. Croatia coming out of the, the right side? Is that who you think will win that, or who uh, do you have coming out of the right side, or Spain? I or have or? Croatia... I have Croatia. If if Croatia beats Denmark, I have Croatia beating Spain mm. in the next game. If if Spain beats Russia, okay. But I mean, after that, if England's on that side, I mean, we still have to wait for that game. But if England's on that on the same side as Croatia, I think England will take Croatia on that one. Okay, I'm gonna check the odds. The odds right now. I have a feeling right now Brazil is the top-rated team to win the World Cup. After that, it's Spain, Belgium, England, France, and then Croatia. So, with those betting lines that we're looking at, I, it, man, um, if Croatia's fifth on the rankings to win, like, to win it, I'm betting Croatia all day. Because that seems like a no-brainer for me to bet that. So I would take their odds. So what we're looking at is seven to two, seven to two for Brazil, nineteen to four for Spain, seven to one for Belgium, seventeen to two for England, and nine to one for France. On the odds that they'll allow you to bet, Croatia's not even on there. So that means Croatia's higher of a impossibility or a, a not likely. I'm going to view all odds really quick. Um, Croatia is. 12 to 1. It's pretty it's a pretty big one. 12 to 1 for Croatia. I take those odds all day if I was going to bet that. Um why aren't we in Vegas right now? Uh cuz Drew decided to get married before the World Cup. Drew, if you're listening, idiot. you're ruining my life. Dude, Drew also you're ruining my life because we were going to have him come on really quick to talk about James Harden winning the MVP. What do you think about that? LeBron got robbed. LeBron got robbed. Look at the stats. That's all I'm going to say on that. Look at the stats. I'll agree. I think this award was decided before the All-Star break. I think it's really sad. I think that if you do an award a month after the season's over, then you should probably give it for a whole season's work. But, so, playing it out, Croatia versus who in the World Cup? Bringing it back. Croatia versus England? No, you pick. You pick. This is yours. I got mine. You got It's Croatia versus England. Oh, I mean, coming out of the side. No, no, no. So on the final in the final game, oh. it's Croatia versus who from the left? No, no, no. I'm saying England. If Croatia and England play, 
England's going to win. Is England on that side? Not. I mean, they still got to play out that game. Okay. But if they're on this side, okay, they can very easily come out winning that side, and I think they will beat Belgium. Okay. So if they come out on this side, and Croatia and England have to play, England, I, I'm going to say England's going to win that one. So picking my two teams from each side, I'm going to say Brazil versus England in the final. England, and then who's your champion? Brazil. Brazil? They're getting six? Will this be their sixth? Or their, they've got five. So this will be six. Okay, yeah. Um, for me, I think out of the left side, I'm going to go France. And I have France playing Croatia. And in those type of games, I will root for Croatia and France will win. So that's kind of how the World Cup works for me. I always pick the loser in the championship game. Would not be surprised if France won it all. It would also be pretty scary for the rest of soccer if France wins because their whole team looks like they're under 25. And that's scary to see if they could try to repeat. But I also want to give a shout-out to one of my favorite teams, which is Portugal. If you sneak in here and somehow win the World Cup the same way you won the Euro, I wouldn't be mad. I would not be mad at all. I would only be mad minorly because my friend Shira is a bandwagon fan, to say the nice thing I could say, because he's my friend. And that's it for the World Cup conversation. Hope you guys have enjoyed One it. last thing. One last if thing. If you are listening to this and you haven't been watching the World Cup because your, t- your country's not in it, I would say watch it anyways. I mean, these guys are playing the highest caliber of a sport, their respective sport, soccer. And, I mean, the pride that goes into this is just phenomenal. I, I mean, you see it in the stands. You see it in the crowds. You see it with the fans. You see it, I mean, people having fun after the games. I would just say tune in. If you get a moment to watch one or two games, definitely tune in. And the most exciting ones to watch in the first first round of the of the brackets mm-hmm. is going to be Uruguay, Portugal, or Brazil or Mexico. You heard it first here, guys. You heard it first. Um, my my argument for you watching it is because it's one of the one things that you can watch. You know that every other continent of the world is watching it. It's a very unique watching like. A, visual experience i heard a guy that's a really big baseball fan tell me he hates it because the scores ends up one to nothing and i tell you all the time that is something you root for in baseball so don't give me that argument i have fallen asleep during a baseball game i've never fallen asleep during a soccer game that i remember (laughs) so i would give you i would tell you this were you on the maradona yeah it was i was was on the maradona (laughs) express paramedics in my paramedics in my my house um Dude, it's just exciting. It's fun to watch. There's a lot of passion. They know how to do it. And one good thing I'll tell you this is the one thing when you sit down for a soccer game, you know it's going to take less than two hours because there are no commercial breaks during the whole action, and you get to watch something played. And they, I'll tell you this, they also go with the Fox broadcasting like way they do football, which is every time you see a hot girl zoom in on them for a really awkward amount of time, they are good at that. And if you want to see a cornucopia of attractiveness, watch the World Cup. Let's just boil it down to that. All right, thank you guys. All for right, this. all right. One last thing. One last thing. The hottest fans. This is your last one. Last. The hottest, hottest fans. Ooh. What team has the hottest fans? That is a dangerous one, and I don't know if I want to go near that one. But um, it's a toss-up between Colombia and Brazil, for me. I'm going Colombia. Oh, man, there, dude, there, there were some Brazil girls that they were passing over that I was just like, man, woo. Or I do like white women, so Sweden. 
Yeah. And and that's the last thing I'm gonna say. All right, and I like my bed. To quote Vic's favorite fa- phrase, "Where the white women at? Where the white women at?" All right, uh, we are out for the interview portion of this. Check out the song of the week, which I have already told you about. So I hope you guys listen to it and you enjoy it. Thank you, thank you, Vic. Thank you for having me. Inside the Oculus Rift After Mr. and the Mrs. Finished dinner and the dishes And now the fish's definition Is so much higher than it was last year It's like the images have all become real Someone's living my life into our hugs, skin and bones, a frozen smile on every face, as the stories replay, this must have been a wonderful place.